Today's episode of One Shining Podcast is brought to you by Cheez-It. Hey, Hoops fans, do you want to play in a basketball game with some of today's biggest stars with Charles Barkley and or Shaq as your coach? Well, Pringles and Cheez-It are bringing you the chance with the Celebrity Crunch Classic, all for the win sweepstakes. All you have to do is go vote for Team Cheez-It, which is the team that Tate and I are on, mm. or Team Pringles, which is, you know, also, also a very on that good team. team. We're on both teams. We're also on that team. Yeah. We're on both sides. At celebritycrunchclassic.com slash OSP. Visit the site for more details. Pringles versus Cheez-It. Pick a side, stock up, and go for the win. No purchase necessary. I was uh, uh, shopping for snacks for the Rose Bowl this weekend, Tate. Actually, this week. I don't know. It wasn't the weekend. It was Tuesday. The Rose Bowl was on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And, New Year's um, Day. I'm walking through the... I'm walking through the, the uh, snacks aisle. I see the Cheez-Its, and my God, there are a lot of options of Cheez-It. So if you're if you're a man out there, and, you're, and if, if you're someone, you're thinking to yourself, I don't know, man, Cheez-Its kind of gotten old for me. It's kind of gotten boring eating the original Cheez-It a million different times. Well, I have great news. There's like a thousand different flavors, and they're, they're innovators over there at Cheez-It. That's why we love them. So uh, go find something you like. Stock up. Do it for us. Um, Tate, Steve Alford was fired. I don't know if you heard this. I don't know if you heard the news. That was the, uh, yeah, that had just happened, right? Before that, that was, that's old news. That's 2018 news. Are we past 20, that? <laughs> yeah, it's a new he year. Was, he was fired last year. <laughs> yeah, that was last year, man. Come on, move on. Get past um, it. So we did We did the pod, uh, I think the day of, right? Like we did a pod on Sunday and then he was fired like that night, early morning Monday. Which um, was... Depending on yeah, it was, where in the world you live. It was very good for us because I, I think I asked for him to resign. So if he continued to play to coach out the rest of the year and then win the Pac-12 tournament, that probably wouldn't have worked out well. So uh, I appreciate yeah. the UCLA administration just handling that over the weekend. Very nice. Keep it in the past. Keep um, it in 2018. We, we are going to talk about that. Uh, not, not so much offered. I feel like we kind of, I mean, the last pod, we, we spent a lot of time talking about his problems. And uh, I, I don't think either one of us was shocked that he lost his job. Um, but there's new discussions to be had about, A, how good is the UCLA job actually? Mm. And mm. B, who are they going to hire? And I got to say, this is becoming one of the most fascinating and hilarious coaching searches already. Um, there's no telling how long it's going to take. And I am very excited to watch all this unfold. So we're going to spend a little bit of time on that at the top. And basically, just the wheels keep falling off for the Pac-12. And uh, I know we said we weren't going to talk about the West Coast much this year, Tate. But um, I just can't quit them. It's it's hysterical what's happening out there. Um and then, Tate, I got great news. Yes. Uh, a, a little gift for the people. Uh, we are doing a, a very, very heavy edition of Dirty Laundry today. Uh, the people asked for it. We Kyle is not here. We have Craig helping us out. Hello, Craig. Hello. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Craig. So I am not going to besmirch Kyle's good name without him being here, but I will say that I, I received a handful of comments after the last time we did Dirty Laundry, and they said, Kyle cannot read. <laughs> and they said, um, please have Kyle stop reading the stories. Uh, <laughs> Kyle does not know how to read. And listen, I, Kyle's not here to defend himself, so I don't want to pile on the guy too much. But um, the, are, we, the stars are we sure Kyle can read? That's what you're saying. <laughs> That's the sure? question. <laughs> Great. Um, so the people asked for it. Kyle couldn't be here anyway because he's doing, uh, I, I think they're doing, him and Bill are doing Durant Pod Part 7, I believe. <laughs> Um, so he, he couldn't be, Craig has to fill in first anyway, but, uh, I, I went through personally, I found a lot of stories. We were going to spend a lot of time because they, there are a lot of good stories out there. Uh, and then we're going to talk a little bit about conference play. It started, uh, this week. So, uh, there's a lot to get to, but first, Woody Durham. He takes the timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. Technical foul. 
All right, it is Thursday evening here in the very cold, the very dreary, the very, uh, um, what's the word, Tate? I, I, I want to choose my words carefully. I'm in Columbus, Ohio, and let me just say that uh, spending an extended period of time in Los Angeles made me very soft, Tate. I came back home for the holidays. Mm. I'm here in Ohio, mm. and uh, it is cold, and I am soft. And this is a problem because my whole identity is the Midwest guy who's tough and isn't uh, like all you softies out there out west. So um, I'm, I'm trying to work through this. But we are recording this on a Thursday. Uh, it is it is Thursday evening. The, some games are about to tip off tonight. So if you're listening to this on Friday morning and you're wondering why we didn't talk about Indiana beating the snot out of Illinois or, I don't know, Purdue's playing Iowa tonight. There are a lot of Big Ten games going on tonight. If something mm-hmm. happens and we didn't talk about it, now you know why. Um, Tate, Steve Alford was fired. Your thoughts? Yeah, it uh, finally happened. Like we said at the uh, at the intro, that always leads into our great discussions. Uh, we saw it coming. We were talking on Sunday. We saw the new year was on the way. We knew that UCLA wanted to get rid of Steve Alford at some point. Most people thought he was going to wait until or they were going to wait until I think it was like April thirtieth, so they didn't have to pay out mm-hmm. some buyout. That was the date I saw. Like Jeff Goodman, friend of the program, put it out there that that was the date that they were waiting for because apparently they're already paying out someone. You know. Godforsaken money. Maybe it was like Jim Moore or someone else up there. So we knew that was the reason why uh, that it was possible that they would wait. But the team was too far gone. We saw it in Chicago live on the ground. I don't think I've ever seen a team actively dislike one another more than that UCLA team that day. I don't know if the, how they feel all the time, but on that day, they all just didn't like each other. Uh, so it so it felt like the right time. I wanted to point out, uh, did you see the post from Bryce Alford? Probably one of the biggest stars in the Steve Alford era at UCLA. If that says anything about the era at UCLA. But Bryce Alford put out there that he does it the right way. It's all about God's plan. You know, these are things that if you want to pander to this program, these are the right things to say. And uh, they never cheated at UCLA. Do you see this? So th- these are good things that came out of the Steve that we Alford know era. Of. Yeah, that we know of. Yes. On a Sunday. After 2 o'clock. Uh, so... It's funny you bring up Jeff Goodman. We had we had we had a friend of the program Goodman on the pod, as mm-hmm. everyone knows, a good man. a month ago. I don't, yeah, I, I don't remember the timeline. Um, and I talked to him about the scoops game. You remember this, Tate? You were in the room. Uh, we were talking to him about scoops, about how I want to get involved in the scoops game. You want to get involved in the scoops game. It feels like something we don't actually want to be a part of, but at the same time, man, if we could just experience it once, get one taste, that would be so fun just to have one. Um, and I say that. To say this, Tate, uh, Sunday night, I get a tip. I get a DM. Someone slides into the OSP DMs. A UCLA, bo- he identifies himself as a UCLA booster. <laughs> he says to me, I sw- I, this is a true story. He says to me, uh, he, he, I, I check out the DMs. He says, offered firing is a done deal. And he, he like elaborates more on that. I know this guy, this meeting happens. Here's why it hasn't been announced yet. It's going to be announced tomorrow morning. Uh, and the guy says something like, you were the first people I thought of. I know you guys were looking for your big scoop. This could be it. So I read this and I think to myself, we did it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought you were going to say and, we already scooped it on the podcast. We already said he was dead and gone. Well, so. I know. We, yeah, we, we already we did scoop it. scooped it. Uh, so I, I, I type up, I type, I pull up the one shining pod account. I do the tweet. I, I put in all caps breaking. Sources have confirmed to one shining pod that Steve Alford has been fired announcement expected Monday morning. I type it out and I see the the cursor just blinking at me and I see the hit tweet button and Tate, I am chicken shit. I did not hit send on that tweet. I thought about it and I was like, what, what if, what if we're wrong? 
<laughs> I was like, what, what does my life become if this is not actually true? Um, and I deleted it. I went to sleep. I woke up the next morning and everyone was talking about Steve Offer being fired. And I said, I'm just not cut out for this. That's my story. Not that interesting of a story. Uh, the point is, I just I, I learned that the scoops game is not for me. Well, but, I, but, but please keep sending them to me. And one of these days, I'm just going to bite on one of them, and we're going to get fucked so badly because we're going to be so it, wrong. You're you're working under the guise of like the Dan Dockage of Scoop Game, which is like some random guy slides in my DMs and says it's a done deal. I'm a booster at UCLA. <laughs> this is what's happening. So therefore, you took it and you said, "Guess what? I got the scoop." You're supposed to like then backsource it and back channel like Jeff. You, no. It sounds like you didn't listen to Jeff Goodman when he told you how to source it. You got to get the info, no. and then you got to use the info to ask other people that may know something about the info to then source it and put it all together, and then one day you become a capital J journalist. That's a that's your journalism school teaching. Your 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 teacher, your professors at North that's Carolina. That's what Murphy Brown would say. A standing ovation yes. right now. Agreed. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, They're going crazy. Um, as we said though, it's it's not exactly a surprise. Alfred is fired. Uh. So I, I don't think we really need to spend a ton of time talking about him. Um, just I don't know. Every, everything's kind of already been said. He wasn't great. He wasn't a great. Even if like he he wasn't a great fit. Even if he was winning a, a fair amount, um, he was never really a great fit. Uh, the 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 fan base certainly had turned on him. He I think his last game against Liberty. I I think I if I if I remember right, the attendance at Pauley Pavilion when they lost to Liberty by fifteen, I believe it was like seven thousand something. And uh, I was talking to my dad about it, and he brought up a great point, Tate, that Steve Alford played high school basketball in Newcastle, Indiana, Newcastle High School, which yeah. is the biggest high school gym in the state of Indiana and therefore the world. Uh, Steve Alford regularly played in front of sold-out crowds of 10,000. So just to put this in perspective... This was the JV he game. He played high school... Yeah, this was his JV He high played school high school basketball games in front of bigger crowds than he was coaching by the end of his, in front of... At the end of his UCLA tenure, to give you an idea of how so, bad it was. So you're saying that Steve um, Alford needed a bigger stage, is what you're saying? Yes. U- UCLA was was too small for Steve Alford. <laughs> He's going back to Newcastle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's got to, LA was too small. He's got to go back to the He's prime time the, of Newcastle, Indiana. I agree. He's got to stop trying to win national championships, start trying to win 3A Indiana State <laughs> championships. Um no, but but so uh, I, I want to turn the conversation to two things because it's the two things everyone's talking about. Uh, and, and which one of you, which one of these interests you more, Tate? Uh, do we want to talk about what the UCLA job actually is right now, or do we want to talk about all the candidates that are being thrown out there? Because uh, my God, are there a lot of candidates being tossed around? I think out there. I think anyone at this point could be tossed around as a, as someone that's possible to go back to UCLA. I think we should start with the the perception of UCLA from people that are in the media that are parroting what it's supposed to be. So I have mm-hmm. I have three guys that I want to point out, and they have three very different opinions about what UCLA is valued at. Number one, we got Sean Farnham, who is, you know, all over. He's like the golden boy of college basketball. He is Jay Billis's worst nightmare. He's coming in, he's giving these takes. Everyone's like, he, he's well thought. He's like Kirk Herbstreet of college basketball at this point. Everyone's listening to Sean Farnham, and he knows UCLA because he was there. So he's one. We got Steve Lavin, obviously coached at UCLA. Obviously, you can tell I was watching FS1 the other night. Uh, Steve Lavin's also <laughs> there. Uh, and he's talking about the UCLA job because he knows what it means to be there. He knows you got to slick your hair back and make it happen. Then number three is a man on Twitter who goes by the name of Dan Dockage who calls somehow every single ESPN college basketball game I ever watch. So those are the three. They're all putting the narratives out in the world. So number one, Sean Farnham, Farnham comes out and he says, and he doesn't even point to Steve Offord, you know, he's passed. He's just like us. He's passed it. That's last year. That's old news. 
But he's talking about what the players are saying after this, and he brings up Chris Wilkes, your boy from Indiana. He says, Chris Wilkes was asked, and he's very upset about this. He said, Chris Wilkes was asked uh, if it was the players' fault that Steve Offer got fired, right? Puts it out to the world. Uh, it, you know, it's a Hilarious good question. premise just off the bat, by yeah. the way. <laughs> who asked that question? Was it Jeff Garland? We don't know. Someone asked that question and said, whose fault is it, Chris? Is it your fault? And Chris says, you know, unequivocally, no, it was not my fault. It was not our fault. It was not the player's fault. And this irks Sean Farnham, who views the UCLA thing as you go there, you buy into the, you know, the UCLA, not the name on the back. He, he does that whole thing where the guys are playing for the name on the back, not the name on the front, not the UC, not the LA, not even the, you know, the C that's a different color, whatever it may be. Uh, he says all this stuff. And then he also brings up the fact that he cried, Mark Titus. And this is something that I think that you should pull out of your arsenal whenever you need it to prove that you really care. He said they lost in the first round in 97. And he cried in the locker room because he knew that he was not deserving to play for a brand that was UCLA. Because UCLA players, they don't lose in the first round. You know, they just lose mm-hmm. to Liberty by 15 at home, but they don't lose in the first round of the NCAA tournament. So that's how much it meant to him. He cried. And, and that was the passion point of what UCLA means or what it used to mean, I guess, during the Jim Herrick days. So boom, there's Sean Farnham. Number two, you got your boy Steve Lavin. Steve Lavin says, look, you look at the landscape of college basketball, who are the powerhouses? Everybody that is a powerhouse has a coach that's been there for over 20 years and has basically built up the culture there. So he points out literally everyone in college basketball goes Izzo, Bayheim, Calhoun, Roy Williams, Mike Krzyzewski, Jay right now at Villanova getting close to 20 years. Literally names everybody. It doesn't bring up really Calipari. really doesn't talk about Bill Sub, but he brings all the other guys up and is just like, you know, the, here's what it is. That's how you got to win. You got to have a guy that's going to be there for longevity. You don't want to keep recycling coaches like UCLA has been doing. Fair point. Number three, Dan Dockett just puts out a list of guys that he would call if he was UCLA. Number one was God. Number two was Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Number three was John Wooden to revive him. Uh... Number, number four, four was, was Mike Krzyzewski. <laughs> and number five was Mar- Mark Gottfried. Um, it was the most ridiculous list ever. It was hilarious. So people were all passing that around. So th- those are like the three perceptions of UCLA. Steve Lavin's like, look, you got to get a young guy in there that's going to be there for the long haul. Maybe you go after Bob uh, Hurley and bring him in. Uh, you know, and then you got Sean Farnham, who's just like UCLA is the UCLA of John Wooden. You know, we win titles here. Uh, come in, make it happen. And then you have Dan Dockett, who I guess is in that same camp where Anybody that gets a call from UCLA is going to think about it. And that's why I asked you, Mark Titus, I mean, what is the value of UCLA? Because to me, I always viewed it as a blue blood, but kind of a, you know, a a lost, you know, of a lost time. You know what I mean? They just are what they are. They're out in California. It's just not that serious. You know, they can just bring up the 11 titles and move on until someone tops that or, you know, or gets past 11, they can kind of chill. I think uh, every, every opinion on UCLA as a program is wrong. Is kind of where I've landed. Like I, yeah. So I think, all like, three UCLA, of those guys, yeah. yes, are wrong. Yeah, Perfect. everyone's wrong. Like I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't think anyone has any idea what UCLA is at this point. Which is kind of what makes the coaching search so fascinating, and, and to see how this all unfolds. Because um, I don't know. Like you could, if if you know, like UCLA fans are going to get very defensive about about you saying that they're. Not as not a blue blood, and and they you know, are people blue point blood, up I, I, just of a lost time, right? Or, or saying, yes. I'm, I mean, of of the lost time. They're saying, what's the difference <laughs> between us and Indiana? It's called what qualifiers. Is, it's just like when they asked Bob Hurley if he yeah. wants to get the UCLA job. He said, "I'm happy where I'm at right now." Yeah. So right now, here's means the thing, a lot. Tate. Like, for, first of all, uh, you could you could bring up this point. Uh, UCLA has as many national titles in the last thirty years as Kansas has. Does that matter to you? 
if if national titles are all that matters, um, I don't know. Maybe they're not as maybe they're like like there's this perception of like a huge title drought at UCLA, and I guess Kansas happened in in '08 and UCLA is '95. I mean, Indiana hasn't won since '87. Like the whole idea of UCLA won way back with Wooden, and they haven't done anything since. And people just kind of discredit '95. Uh, you discredit the the three Ben Howland years for some reason because he didn't actually win the title. They just went to the Final Four, so those don't count because it's UCLA and only titles count. Um, I don't know. I feel like people really they move the goalposts with UCLA. At the same time, everything you're saying is is undeniable. I mean, UCLA does have seven thousand fans at games. That's insane. That's ridiculous. And UCLA fans get very defensive. They'll say. You don't understand how bad Alford was. You don't understand how bad this traffic is out here. We have better <laughs> things to do out here. Um, I, I drive it every day. I drive it every day. Yeah. It's 20, 25 and minutes. You can make it. You see a lady's listen, there. She has think, a whole row in front of her. Someone sit in I don't that think, row. I don't think UCLA fans... I know. I don't think UCLA fans are wrong, by the way. Like I think all, all of these reasons are valid to, to say there's more fun shit to do in, in Los Angeles. There's more sport. There's, there's a ton of teams... I mean, LA is a sports town that just follows winners, basically, right? Like, I don't need to tell you that. You live out there, um, so of course, like it's it's a city full of fair weather fans, and I don't think UCLA fans need to really be defensive uh, in in explaining that to people. I think most people understand the problem. Tate is that you, there, there's no getting around that when you're trying to stack yourself up against the Kentuckys, against the Indianas, against the the Dukes, the Carolinas, the Kansases. When Indiana went went six and twenty five with Tom Crean, they were still like. I mean, not packing Assembly Hall, but there was still like a ton of people going to those games. You know why, Tate? Because there's shit else to do in Bloomington, Indiana. That's mm-hmm. what people live, breathe. That is like all Indiana cares about is basketball. So even if Indiana sucks, they're still going to show out. I'm sure the same is true of Carolina in the Doherty years. Um, the, the same was true of Kentucky in the Gillespie years. Like sure, their attendance dips a little bit, but these people like, th- there's not a ton of stuff to do. So that is what that is the difference and and it's and UCLA is never going to be able to get over that hurdle. So um that is that is interesting to me that uh I don't know. I mean I mean I get the point like that UCLA fans cuz there are UCLA fans that they live and breathe UCLA basketball. They exist. I understand that. But at the same time um it they UCLA is unlike any other job in that the fan base isn't as rabid and there's no there's no sugarcoating. It just isn't. And and you don't have to apologize for that if you're UCLA fans. If I was a UCLA fan, I'd shrug my shoulders and be like, yeah, I'm not as rabid. Uh, I live in a great fucking city and I have a ton of shit to do and my life is awesome. So sorry, I'm not going to apologize for that. And I would just move on. Like you don't need to get defensive about that. But as that pertains <laughs> to the actual basketball and the coach they're going to hire, it's very fascinating because um, I feel like a lot of these coaches are smart enough. I mean, the fact that they all hired Steve Alford in the first place six years ago, five mm-hmm almost six years ago. What does that tell you about like the perception of UCLA at that time, Tate, that like that was the best they could do then. So um, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It, it also seems like they're trying to tap into uh, the tradition of those blue bloods. So if you bring a guy like Steve Alford, well, Steve Alford gets it. He worked with Bob Knight. He played under Bob Knight. He's from the Bob Knight system. He's from the Indiana ilk. We're going to bring him out here and he's going to, and he's going to sell that to these kids. And it's not even about again, <laughs> being defensive. It's about like playing defense you know, I mean, why, they just watch these, you know, UCLA teams, even the good ones, you know, like they just, they weren't defensive-minded teams. They're not really tough-minded teams. And that's kind of where you said they were Fairweather fans. I think they're good weather fans. Like, I think Fairweather is even worse than that. Like, I think that they, you should, they, they should just be, they should just be an NBA, like, they should just, they should just sell the idea of yeah. all these kids that want to go to these Blue Bloods and end up settling to go to Memphis or wherever, where... 
I'm going to be the one guy, you know, say you're Kentavious Caldwell Pope, and it's like, well, I'm going to go to Georgia, and I know that they're going to do everything in their power to surround me so I look good and set me up to go to the NBA because that's good PR for them. UCLA, I mean, obviously they're doing that in some capacity now, but they should just lean into it 100%. We are just an NBA factory. We, we're going to take all these kids that really do just care about themselves, and we're just going to let them play pickup, basically. And sometimes we're going to win crazy games, and sometimes we're going to have, you know, fun years. And, <laughs> you know, from the, for the rest of it, you know, it just is what it is. Like, I mean, they're trying to bring in these old-school coaches like Steve Offer to kind of teach discipline and to get these kids to play a certain way. And that, mm-hmm. you're not going to play that way in Southern California. It doesn't fit the identity of the people of Southern California. It doesn't fit. Like, LeVar Ball would have more fun with, you know, coaching one of these teams at UCLA than Steve Offer was having because he would roll the balls out and say, look— Look how athletic and talent, talented we are as a team. Let's have fun playing basketball. It's like an AAU team, you know what I mean? Just take take AAU principles, throw it up to UCLA, and see what happens. I mean, I I don't. That's the only so, way I could see it happening. But at the same time, I know they're going to hire someone like a Bob Hurley and try to run him back and do the same thing and just get like a Duke guy to come in there. I mean, Capel's probably the best case scenario because he does have the Duke pedigree, but he also is a guy that's not afraid to let these superstar athletes just play you know what I mean like if he had Kevin if Kevin Porter Jr. was at Pitt he wouldn't have a quad injury and he'd be averaging 25 points a game you know what I mean (laughs) he would have a quad injury (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean like I can promise you that so uh, <laughs> like if Kevin Porter was at Pitt, he wouldn't have a quad injury. Yeah, you can that's you can write that down. Oh. That's true. That's facts. That's Nike. <laughs> like he's not gonna have a quad injury. He'll figure it out. Uh but but I do feel like that is so, sort of the problem with UCLA where they, they just they're trying to be that old school blue blood, like you said, where they have these fans that care hundred percent no matter what, and that just doesn't exist. It just I it just doesn't So they need anywhere. to become I actually like this. The way the way the Sacramento Kings are currently, UCLA UCLA. There you go. Just be a, a, a team. A, a, Just make it happen. Okay. Just the do way it. The, All American. The way the Sacramento WCLA, Kings you can play however you want to. Are the <laughs> the Sacramento Kings are the college basketball team of the NBA? Yes. Uh, UCLA should be the NBA team of college basketball. Exactly. I like that idea. They should just run the entire program as though it's an NBA team. Um, and then, Sac- yeah, and then uh, Vladi, I, I, Vladi I sh- just drafts guys straight out of UCLA every single year. Just more blue blood guys. I should defend. I should defend them though because I see like a lot of. Uh, there, there's a lot of like misconceptions being thrown around about how like UCLA doesn't have like they they underpay their coaches, which has historically been true. But um, I don't know. I, I was like reading into this stuff. I was going on all the UCLA websites because I, I you got to hear both sides, Tate. So you're seeing people talk about how UCLA can't pay coaches as much as the other blue bloods because they don't because uh, I don't know the the California the University of California system or whatever <laughs> um, has has restrictions on funding whatever they they the, the charter flights thing has almost become a meme at this point that people talk about how UCLA doesn't charter flights which is kind of strange uh but really not the biggest deal in the world because i think it's clear that UCLA as an athletic program uh is is flush with cash at this point let's just say that under armor has been good to UCLA let's just say that uh i don't know chip kelly would not have taken the head coaching football job at UCLA unless there was some money being thrown around out I, there. So. I do I do have one note on UCLA that I do know from the inside is that a volleyball coach was held on because they didn't want to pay out his buyout because they had already owed a bunch of money on a buyout. So the, so they were already having money. Like that was part of the problem with the offer decision why well, they a, waited so long is that they were they had a, did not have cash just laying around to throw away pretty much. So that's where we're at. So 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 we are yes. So so we have a chance for to that Mark point. Godfrey I say there's back. a difference. That's what you're saying. There's a difference between no. I'm saying there's a difference between the volleyball coach and the basketball. <laughs> like I'm saying if if hey the volleyball I don't, if, is Billy, good. if Billy 
if Billy Donovan calls UCLA and he's like, I'll take the job, but you have to pay me $6 million a year. It's not like UCLA is going to be like, ooh, uh, no, we actually only budgeted three. Like all the UCLA boosters would be like, fuck yeah, let's find a way to make this happen. And like, they'll be fine. I think the money stuff's kind of overblown. Um, I think it is like, I, I don't know. It, it's it's going to be fast. Let, let's talk about like the candidates that are getting out there because Tate, I did, I did something fun. I spent a lot of time today going through this because, um, because it just basically needed to be done. I'm, I'm, I'm reading all these articles. I'm seeing the same tweets you are. I'm seeing the Dan Dockage tweet. I'm seeing uh, Dick Vitale tweeting, hey, on this New Year's Day, UCLA lovers, please call Dan Guerrero, who I respect, and tell him to hire Rick Pitino. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I love that too. I can't believe Rick Pitino has somehow just become like the, the perfect answer for um, all this. And then uh, one, guy, one guy responds to Dick to, to Vitale's tweet, and he's like, that's one of the dumbest ideas ever, and puts a link to how uh, to the New York Times article saying Louisville has to take down their banner because of the Patino sex scandal. And then Vitale responds, hey, John, so cool to, to read how objective you are. Have a fantastic 2019. <laughs> Vitale is just like condescending. Can I just say, can I just uh, go on record right now as saying, um, Dick Vitale, maybe it's because I'm paying too much attention to his Twitter, and maybe it's just the Patino thing is just driving me fucking nuts, Tate. But uh, you're going to say you were already at this point a long time ago, but I, I've joined you at this point. He's not charming anymore, Tate. I think like Dick Vitale is, is venturing into reckless and irresponsible territory. <laughs> what do you mean charming? I don't think... Uh, oh, baby, I'm be, charming! He, I'm charming! There's no way. Because it used to be... Uh, for the, I mean... He he says wild shit. He loves Duke. We all know this. Like whatever. But he's he's just kind of your your crazy grandpa, your crazy uncle. He he you just kind of you're like, I don't know. He's basically Bill Walton on 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 the harder drugs on on, on amphetamines instead of on uppers instead of downers. That's basically what Dick Vitale is, right? And I love Walton, so I'm like, all right, you know, like Vitale's kind of out there, but I, I don't know. He's lovable enough. He's innocent enough. But my God, like being the Rick Pitino mouthpiece and and then like shitting on people and being condescending. It's and then but and then like the other thing of, of shitting on Sean Miller when there is a million times more evidence that Patino was dirty than there is Sean Miller, which <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I need mean, to reiterate. It's definitely I don't need to say this again. Fr- <laughs> it's definitely not an objective stance from Dick Vitale, but has there ever been one right. from Dick Vitale? So I think it's more it's par for the course. <laughs> Yeah, it's what I, don't it's know. What I expect. God. Anyway, it's it's honestly I've I've actually grown to like Dick Vitale more with the Rick Pitino stuff because the more that I read it, I'm like maybe he should get hired. You know what I mean? Like maybe UCLA does need Rick Pitino. Like maybe he is just Larry Brown, and and maybe he does deserve another shot. No, stop I'm, it. I'm well, just I'm just I mean, making I'm just I'm just putting it out there. I mean maybe maybe he is the answer. I mean look, he's already taken over Greece. And uh, we we already know the connection between UCLA and Greece and how they're basically one and the same. So uh, I don't know, Mark Titus. Maybe Dick Vitale knows something that you don't know. Maybe it's wisdom. And that is me passive-aggressively responding as a Dick Vitale friend. I would love that for the content. Um, this, I, it, <laughs> All right. that's the, that's the Darren Ravel tweet, tweet. Uh, this would, I feel terrible for UCLA, but this is tremendous content is how I'd feel. We are breaking the rules. Good. We are breaking the rules of 2019, which is the two things that we promised from each other was one, no more Rick Pitino talk. It was over. Number two, no more West yeah. Coast basketball talk. So we're already breaking one. No, hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. Fuck that. Back up. <laughs> I am, I am rescinding the no more West Coast basketball talk because like, honestly, I could not be more interested in West Coast basketball. I was every idea I had when we did the West Coast pod, every idea I've had when we've talked about West Coast Pac-12 shit is to improve the product on the court. I've gone completely because I, I said you have to find a way to improve this, get people on the East Coast to care, uh, make this all good. 
I never even, it never even crossed my mind that the way you could get people to care is to be a complete fucking train wreck. Yeah, be the like, Kardashians. I, I care more be about- Be a reality show. I care, yes. I care more about the Pac-12. I, I'm not even joking. This is not hyperbole. I care more about the Pac-12 at this moment than I do any other conference in college basketball because every single day something happens- I mean, for God's sakes, we just found out Bull Bull's probably out for the season this year. Yep. Uh, we, we just found that out today, I mean. Um, Kevin Porter's Kevin probably Porter's out, for, out the year. for the year. Yes, exactly. If he went to Pitt, as we know, he would not be out <laughs> for the year. He'd be perfectly we, healthy. The Pac-12, the Pac-12 just hired a... The, the news came like the other day uh, as, as Ohio State was kicking Washington's ass in the Rose Bowl that the Pac-12 has hired a PR firm to basically fix the perception nationally of the Pac-12 because their officiating is is universally regarded as the worst in America. Their football conference, their, the football play is the worst in America of the power conferences. Their basketball is absolutely horrible to the point that they're probably getting one bid into the NCAA tournament and their two most prestigious programs right now. One doesn't have a coach. The other coach is very, very heavily involved in the FBI shit or at least the assistant coach is about to go to federal trial because of, of bag dropping. I couldn't be more entertained by the Pac-12 at this point to be honest with you. Anyway, um, and that's and that's the uh, West Coast basketball update, and and that's the best thing. That was honestly the best case that could have happened for well, them. Hold on. So we got to talk about the hold actual on. candidates I, that are out there. So Rick Pitino, yeah, yeah. boom, knocked him out. All right, who's next? Who who's who's number I, one? I want to do this because I went through. So the point the point I want to bring up. Uh, I spent a ton of time today uh, sifting through a lot of people's lists. Right. So I, I was going through. I made a spreadsheet. I we, we love spreadsheets on this program. I made a spreadsheet, uh, a, a matrix, if you will, um, tallying all the ballots of people that are mentioned on these lists of possible candidates of all these different media people, right? And here's here's what I found. I, I took 21 different samplings of places ranging from like as the, the Dan Dockett tweet, the Dick Vitale tweet, to like uh, comments on Reddit, comments on like UCLA blogs and discussion boards. I did some heavy research for this tape. Here are the names that popped up the most of the 21 ballots. Fred Hoiberg and Eric Musselman were on 16 of my 21 ballots. Mm. Those are the top two. Uh, the problems with them, Fred Hoiberg is is on record as saying he hates recruiting. <laughs> uh, so that's going to be interesting. Although I feel like UCLA, you kind of recruit yourself. I mean, for God's sakes, LeVar Ball and Lonzo Ball, they didn't give a shit who the coach was. Uh, did, did Steve Alford even make a phone call to recruit the balls? Or did they just like show up and just be like, yeah, we're playing here? Yeah, yeah, we're and on the team, Steve. And also, every kid that's committed in their class next year, they asked the, the I saw uh, Evan Daniels went on, you know, to do like the the recruiting mm-hmm. update once Alford left and every single one was like, yeah, we committed to the school. We we didn't really even like Steve Alford, so. Right, right. Um. So Hoiberg, Hoiberg and, and by the way, like what, what college coach loves recruiting? Like is other than a uh, head coach, other than like Cal? Is there a guy out there that's just like I? The reason I do this job that I do is so I can go on the road, so I can go to tiny ass high school gyms on Friday nights instead of spending time with my family. Coach Capel, um, so I can spend all summer. Yeah, like Capel and Cal, those are the two, right? Like, yes. Does anyone else? Um. So Hoiberg's at the top. Musselman, who uh, I don't know, dude. The must to UCLA stuff. A lot of people, a lot of my sources are saying must isn't happening. They're saying, uh, I don't know. The, he's, he's got the DUI from way back in the day. That's a problem for people. And apparently, um, not as not as he, he doesn't he doesn't run the type of program that UCLA wants. We'll just put it that way. Um, that's that's what I'm hearing. So that sucks. But he's getting mentioned a lot by people. We have Earl Watson. Yeah, uh, heard that one. Yeah, I feel like all the players want him. All the former players. All the that seems to be the players' pick. Jamie Dixon is next on my list. And he of, said nay. Of, uh, he came out. He said, he said nay. nay already. Yes. B- Billy Donovan was next on the list with 10 of the 21 ballots that I, I looked at. Um, 
Not happening. Let's yeah, move on. He said, I have Paul George next. Then we have Rick Pitino, Chris Beard, Tony Bennett, Greg Marshall, Mick Cronin, Kevin Keats, Mike Bray, Buzz Williams, Jay Wright, Mark Few, Kelvin Sampson, John Beeline, Bobby Hurley. The list goes on. Tate, I went over 21 of these fucking lists and there were 50 names mentioned. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> 50 names, and, and like people are sitting there, are people throwing out Will Wade. There are people bringing out uh, Dave Smart, the uh, Carlton coach. So basically, uh, if Canada. you are a coach in college basketball right now, you have a yeah. shot at the UCLA job. Mm-hmm. As far as that's people what I mean, putting it's lists so together, because no one knows. Everyone's like, who's the up and comer guy? I think Mike Bray's actually a great pick. You get the Under Armour thing, he comes straight over, he knows how mm-hmm. to run a real program. He's a very likable guy, a guy that's personable, can go out and talk in rooms, has the slick back hair, kind of fits the UCLA model of a coach. I like Mike Bray. And and he has a very young team. Uh, Rex Fluger just tore his ACL. What if Mike Bray just left in the middle of the season? What if he just like... It's a lateral move. Just, That's just, just what he says. Right now, he took the job. He would, run, he right would after, dominate the Pac-12. If you really think about yeah. it. He'd be the best coach in the Pac-12, right? If he, I mean, it'd be him and Dana. You know who I think you silly should call? Who? Uh, Brad, St- Brad Stevens. <laughs> You, you got to call Brad Stevens. You have to let him say no. That's my favorite thing too. Is like these people put out like absurd, absurd lists, and then you just always the, the the way you get around it is you're just like if someone's like, "Are you fucking crazy?" John Calipari is not taking the UCLA job. You're just like, I know, but you got to call him. You got yeah, to give him the chance to yeah, say yeah, no. You got to give him the chance to say no. That's the right answer. Uh, um, the the name. All right, we can move the, the on. Name, the name that I have in my head that I keep coming back to, honestly, that I think that would be a worth their time to call is Jason Kidd. Because Jason Kidd was on my list. He was one of my 50 names. I forget who mentioned him as one of the one of the uh, things. The only reason that yes, I, the only reason that I don't Kidd. believe that he would go to UCLA is because they are a uh, Under Armour school. And Jason Kidd is Nike through and mm. through. He's like all involved in Nike stuff all the time. So I don't think he could go there if they are uh, an Under Armour school. But it, I, I think there's a, there is a chance that if he got a phone call, he would just be like, I don't really care. Yeah, I'll go. So. And Jay, so, Jay Kidd would settle the... If Earl Watson is going to get people excited from like the students and everything, right. then my God, Jason Kidd would be crazy. So the point of bringing up all these names being mentioned is not just to... Uh, the point for me is like, I've never... I, I don't remember a coaching search. Nobody knows. That was like this. Yeah. That had, nobody has any idea. Because like I said, we, we kind of went over the, the ones at the top. I mean, the top five, uh, according to this, this straw poll I basically did, Hoiberg, Musselman, Watson, Dixon, Billy Donovan. There are obvious reasons why none of them should. I mean, Watson would take the job. I feel. I feel like he would take it immediately, right? Yes. Um, but I'm not really sure that's the guy. You, that that's not the. Uh, I mean, nothing against Earl Watson, but I think you want like a guy that's established and been around and is going to excite the fan base. Yeah. And, um, here, get people jazzed up. Here, and that's not necessarily the guy. So there's like problems with. I mean, Dixon doesn't want it. Billy Donovan probably doesn't want it. Muscleman, we went over. I and, and, and Hoiberg have their issues. So I don't know, man. I don't know what, what the, what's going to happen here. I, I can tell you what should happen because it can check all the boxes. Okay, you want a young guy that can relate to players, a guy that played recently. How about Mo Williams? Uh, you want a coach that's been at UCLA before that kind of fits a look and has his hair slicked back. Mark Gottfried. You want to tap into that old tradition of UCLA basketball that's not too far removed and go all the way back to John Wooden, but back to the 90s. Jim Herrick. Hire them all, bring them to UCLA, and let it happen. It's the godfather. That's the only way it works. I love it. It has to happen. I apologize to Cal State Northridge fans, but it it checks every single box of what these people want because they don't know what they want, and it check. That's why Mark Godfrey built the staff that he built. He built the staff for this so that it checks every single box. You think Mo Williams doesn't want to get hot dogs at Pauley Pavilion? Yes, he does. (laughs) 
Yes, he does, folks. Um. All right, let's move on. I, we spent way too much time talking about UCLA. Can we talk um, about St. John's? Can we talk about a powerhouse of the Northeast? Please do. Because please uh, do. St. John's fans are getting are very testy. They're getting very anxious. When when is is our Titus and Tate going to talk about the Johnnies? Is that their nickname? The Johnnies. What do they call themselves? <laughs> yeah, the I'm pretty sure they call themselves the Johnnies, or at least people on TV do. Also, uh, if I don't mention Felipe Lopez, then uh, Jim Cunningham will actually get upset at me because apparently that's like you know the greatest person that ever existed at St. John's. So. I'll just say that now, uh, just so people are... That'll be a, my nice little pander. And then people were upset that the one thing I brought up was when they lost to Seton Hall. They're like, of course you bring up when they lose to Seton Hall. You don't bring up when, you know, insert player commits. So now I'm going to bring up when insert player commits. And that insert player is Nate Tabor, four-star junior recruit that's going to go to, to St. John's. Apparently this is a really big deal because he's like a superstar scorer. People think he's going to go to the NBA. And he's going to play for the John. He's going to play for Chris Mullen. Chris Mullen and this team, they seem to have everything kind of figured out as far as who they are. They got all these transfers coming in. And then Shamari Pons. I mean, he's got to be on the list to be one of the guys mentioned for National Player of the Year at this point. So if I look at St. John's and I talk about former coaches or former players that are now coaches, and we joked and made that whole podcast talking about all of them from Patrick Ewing all the way down the list, to, you know, Thunder Dan when we saw him in person down in Phoenix. But as you go around and you look at the St. John's team, I mean, they're a fun team and they play together and they have legit players that are going to be problems in the NCAA tournament for teams. You know, you don't want to play St. John's in the tournament. They're a four seed and no, you're a one seed. Have, you know what I mean? They they have the scoring, the guard position to really screw you over. And they got Mustafa and Shamari. Those are great names. You got Pons and he's wet. I mean, you know what I mean? Like it, it's perfect. It, the Johnnies are back. They are back. Uh, they I listen. I'm not done making jokes about Chris Mullen. I'm not going to get. Ex- <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, I'll, I am I'll done. Back Chris. off. I'm done. Yeah, like. So first of all, we should mention St. John. There's a reason that St. John started the season 12 and 0 and was not ranked. They play a horrendous schedule. Yes. Um, but and but they did just beat Marquette Tate. Uh, they are one horrible call away, not even not even a, a subjective call away from being undefeated. Uh, uh, an objectively wrong decision was made by a referee in that Seton Hall game. That if the referee does not blow the whistle, mm-hmm. St. John's wins. Yeah. Um, they're that away from having an undefeated season. They might actually have the best backcourt in the country with Haran and uh, 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 Pons. They really might. And then they got the other two guards with the, the kid, uh, Figueroa, and who's the other kid? Uh, Justin Simon, I think is his mm-hmm. name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they got John, the John McEnroe at the games. Here's, you know what I mean? Here's the problem. Like, like they're they're they a superstar no team. Oh, well, who cares? They they have, have, yeah, they, they don't have a bit. But that's that's like actual basketball talk. I'm just talking about relevance. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, no, they're going to be relevant. I'm saying like... Um, like the red storm is like, here. Like a storm was coming and they came and they're here. And Chris Mullen is, is like actually... He, it's worth being talked about as we get into actual conference play, which I find very interesting. I mean, obviously they beat Duke last year and that was the big moment, but then they were done. Right. And now I feel like they have a legit thing going on, which is, I don't know, it's exciting to see. It, it's sort of similar to to Nevada a little bit. You know, they have these guys that came in and they have a legit team and they kind of have confidence and they're a little bit older. And I don't know. It's interesting. No, listen, I'm paying attention to St. John's. I'm just trying to tell you why... I had this perception that Chris, I've had that when Chris Mullen was hired, I said to myself, this man doesn't actually want the job. What he wants to do is wear a jumpsuit and get paid like a million, over a million dollars a year to live in New York City and wear a jumpsuit and Me blow too. a whistle and Me too. roll out the ball yeah. and like, and be a St. John's legend. And I don't, I don't fault him for that at all. And my point is, I have yet to see enough to back off of that assessment of Mullen. However, 
However, Max Kellerman, <laughs> I will concede that St. John is a fun team. They are on my radar. Uh, and the Big East is like in shambles. Not, not Shambles is a tough word. They're not, Pac-12 is in shambles. I need to calm down with the Big East. The Big East is up in the air. We'll put it that way. That Villanova is not the behemoth that they have been in the past. Um, Xavier, who was a one seed last year, is not that good this year. Uh, so, I mean, Butler just lost to Georgetown at home without Mac McClung playing for Georgetown. So the Big East is is there for the taking, and St. John's just kicked the shit out of Marquette. They have my attention, but they they have no bench and they don't play defense. So I'm curious to see how it all unfolds. But uh, yes, congratulations to St. John's. Great start to the season. You are officially on our radar. You're on the radar. Is that, is that does that suffice? That suffice. And as we get to Saturday, we get the showdown of all showdowns. We get Chris Mullen versus Patrick Ewing, and I'm I'm telling you right now, if mm-hmm. I'm the old Big East, old I, Big East baby, if I'm if I'm a commissioner of the current Big East, I just go to both those guys and say at halftime, can you just play a, a game to five, you know, one on one? Chris mm-hmm. Chris Mullen with the jumpsuit, you know, got full suit on for Patrick Ewing because it's all business. Quick game to five. Here's what I say: give the people what they want. Here's what I say: if, that's why we're there. If I'm if if I'm running the Big East, here's what I say going into that game. Uh, all flagrant fouls are just common fouls. There's yes. no such thing as a flagrant foul in this game. We're, we're taking our old school. We're letting guys just get raked across the face as they drive to the basket. You can clothesline anybody you want. It's just a foul. It, it, we're still going to call it a foul. I mean, let's not get crazy here. This is still basketball we're trying to play. But um, nothing easy. You know, and, and actually, you know what? If you say nothing easy, if you if you take a guy's head off and you say the words nothing easy, uh, not a foul. Actually. Not a foul. It's, a, it's just a jump yes. ball. <laughs> well, you had a real reason behind it. You know what I mean? You're just being a smart basketball player. All right. Have you ever put gonna, that punch? If, <laughs> if you're going to foul him, then foul him. That's another great coaching phrase. It's like, if you're going to foul the guy, then try to fucking kill him, please. Yeah, he's going to go the free throw line. He has no shot to get the ball up. And everyone's like, of course. Good coaching, coach. Thanks. What other games were you watching last night? Because I, I was bouncing around a couple of the, uh, the the Big Twelve had some good games, and I wanted to bring this up to you because I, I I went fishing on on Twitter. I, I I put the bat signal out to our friend Seth Greenberg. Um, I, I said it's time for the tears, Coach. I called him Coach. I think that was a sign of respect. He got very excited about that, and I think he was more receptive to to playing my little game um, when he saw that I call him Coach. But I, I I baited Seth Greenberg into tweeting his tears Tate of the Big Twelve. Uh, l- let me just start there. Let release, me read the tears. Release the people tweets. need to know this. Not, yeah, release the tweets. Yeah, R- release the tears, Seth. Um, so he tweeted this: My Big Twelve Conference breakdown as of today. Keep that in mind, folks. Yes. This is ever changing. Qualifier could change as of today. Could could have already changed. It's like the net. Yes, it, it, it's like the net ranking. We don't know. So he says, Tier one is Kansas. Tier two is Iowa State, Texas Tech, TCU, and Oklahoma. That means. Tier three is Texas and Kansas State. And then therefore is Oklahoma State, Baylor, and West Virginia. And you're saying to yourself, Titus, did you just say therefore? I did. Uh he he misspelled tier. He spelled it T-H-E-I-R for tier four. <laughs> therefore. <laughs> therefore. Therefore. So, uh, having so, had all those, maybe it was on purpose. That's pretty good. That actually works <laughs> yeah. out. Having those tiers already mapped out, therefore, tier four ends here. Uh, I kind of like Oklahoma bumping up a tier in that one. And also, I don't know if he works for ESPN. Does He still works for ESPN, right? I haven't seen him. He, oh, yeah, of course. He's not on the A team anymore. I think they bumped him down to the B team with Chris Patola. Uh, but but the, he, the uh, B tier? He's on the he's, he's on, on tier two? Yeah, and speaking of B tiers and, and uh, B things, the BPI, 
they have Texas Tech as the favorite to win the Big 12. Did you see this? Have you heard about this? Ooh, interesting. Yeah, so everyone's saying, Good. so they basically, they, they showed that and everyone on the actual thing was like, damn, that's pretty dumb. Like, how would that be possible? Kansas is obviously the best team. But the BPI says it. Uh, I don't know. I watched that West Virginia-Texas Tech game. And if they're gonna win, the, if they're gonna win the Big Twelve, then Holy Jared Culver is gonna have to average, I guess, forty points a game, right? I mean, at this point. Oh my God, I don't know how the I, I watched that I watched that game too. I the final score is sixty two fifty nine. I you could have told me you could have covered the score and told me the final score is twenty two to nineteen, and I yeah. wouldn't believe you. They were they were doing oh offense God. defense substitutions at one point. Um. I, so the two big games I've watched all the way, I've, I've caught Texas Tech flipping back and forth, but the two games I've watched all the way through of Texas Tech this year are Duke uh, and, and West Virginia, which are probably their two biggest games they played. Um, and both of those games are the, the number one and number two instances of just boneheaded charges. And I don't know, it's got to be something to do with Texas Tech. I mean, Texas Tech, is part of the problem is them, uh, but Duke, like Zion had a bunch of charges against Texas Tech as well. There's just something about, I think, Texas Tech basketball. I don't, I don't know. If, like, if Texas Tech plays Wisconsin, my God, the charges that are going to happen in that game. Buzz cut Brad, just fly. Like, Jarrett Culver is going to drive the basket and and get five charges on one play. He's going to foul out on one play. <laughs> They're just going to call five consecutive charges on one fucking play. It's the wildest. But but it's like some of the worst. It's I'm not even complaining about the charges because some of the stuff is just like so boneheaded that a guy's just standing there grabbing his nuts, waiting on the guy. Like... I don't know how to explain it. It's like, where are you going, dude? Why would you even try that? That game was so frustrating to watch. Having said that, I do love Jared Culver's game. That dude's smooth as hell, and Texas Tech does play great defense. So, yeah, they, um, they're not going anywhere anytime soon. I think a lot of people were getting upset that, uh, like, people were like, "Well, I guess you just don't understand good defense." And uh, I think, I think we both understand good defense, and we know what you know good defense is. And obviously, Texas Tech plays good defense, but just in that game, it was just the worst kind of styles uh, put together, which also proves why West Virginia and Texas Tech probably should be in the same conference. You know. When you just watch those two teams play, you're like, there's just some friction here where these two teams shouldn't be playing each other. Uh, not necessarily. But then after the game, Bob Huggins came out. Do you see the do you see the clip that went viral with him talking about how basketball is like your girlfriend? That's your favorite thing in the world, right? When when we relate to sports. No, to, I missed this clip. What do you say? What do you say? I really he, missed it. Yeah, oh, he came out and uh, you know, he said, you know, basketball, I mean, pretty much as simple as I just said it. I mean, it said basketball is like your girlfriend. <laughs> Uh, you know, you got to take care and, and, and show her that you love her and, and show that you're invested. And, <laughs> and, and if you don't take care of her, she's not going to take care of you. You know what I mean? She might just up and leave you. Um, so, and you know, everyone's like Bob Huggins making it simple. You know what I mean? It's like never really Thank got, God. never really got it until Bob Huggins broke it down and compared it to his girlfriend. Um, so to there women. you go. So that's, that's the only way I, that's the only way I understand that stuff. So I, I guess broken down that is like the that, trope. That is the trope of the day is, uh, Bob Huggins, uh, trying to use his, uh, 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 I guess a girlfriend, I don't know if he is married or what, but using a girlfriend as a, uh, as his way to create, um, you know, an, an allegory for basketball and the love that you have to have, can, you know what I mean? It's a beautiful thing. Can we, can we put, can we put Huggy Bear in the hall of fame already? Because this dude, he's in is our going hall of fame. I don't know year. if he's in whatever like, million other hall of fames. Jerry Colangelo could probably get him in if he needed to, but he's in our hall of fame. He's in our heart all the time. Can we just put him in the hall of fame so he can retire? My God, like, this, <laughs> this man's going to die this year. Like he needs to, he needs to retire now. Like this team is going to kill him. Well, I, I watched that whole game. I watched, uh, I watched no him Kanate, play Buffalo too. Least, I'm trying to think like that. So yeah, they had an excuse. I, I watched the. Uh, the Buffalo game, I watched this Texas Tech game. I think I watched one more uh, West Virginia game. And, and holy shit, these guys are so undisciplined. They're so frustrating. 
Um, like I said, the, the the charge thing, a lot of it was West Virginia. Like those guys would just, they'd see a, a Texas Tech defender just standing there and they're like, what if I just dribbled right into his chest? Yeah. What would happen then? Yeah. And the and ref's then, like, here's what would happen. Turnover. <laughs> and they always like had the ball in one hand. They're just doing like with both hands, like the what? Like what? Like how? How, yeah. how's, that, how's, and, and, how's that charge? It's like, dude, you just wrecked that guy. Like he's out of breath. Like he can't breathe right now. You just need him in the chest. Yeah, and Huggins is over. I mean, like Huggins is just like, I don't know, man. They, they cut the Huggins. Like last night, the the guy commenting on the game was like, "Can we get a camera on Huggins?" Like this dude is losing his mind, and, and ESPN actually shows a Huggins cam just to basically watch him have a meltdown watching his team. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm worried about Huggy Bear. Let's 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 clean it up, West Virginia. Can we please step up the play a little bit, or just put the man in the Hall of Fame because that's really all he's coaching for at this point, right? Like he knows he's not going to win a national title. No offense, West Virginia fans. You're probably not winning a national title with like three-star and two-star guys. It's yeah. just probably not going to happen. Yeah. You could go to another Final Four. You can have good runs. You could compete for the Big 12. You're probably not winning the national title. So that tells me that Bob Huggins, the only thing he's waiting on at this point is getting into the Hall of Fame. I think he's on the ballot this year, Tate. I think uh, the, the the 2019 class, he is eligible. Vote him just in. Just put him in the Hall. Tell him, Just make the call right now. Just be like, you're in the Hall, Huggy Bear. You can retire. Please go... Stuff your face with red meat and whiskey like we know you want to. Just go kick back, relax, and enjoy your retirement because, my God, it is it is very stressful watching this man uh, sweating his balls off and getting a red face and throwing his... Uh, whatever papers he has in his hand up against the scoreboard. I don't know. I th- My heart can't take it. I think we'll know that he's officially snapped when he takes off the like the windbreaker. You know what I mean? When he when he finally rips off the windbreaker and lets it all hang out, that's when we'll know. It's like, oh like, man, they broke Huggy like Bear. Like literally lets it hang out? Yeah. Like you just no, like it like, <laughs> like dumps it out. It's all compacted into the windbreaker. You know what I mean? And it's all like there and it's like held together as a nice congealed. Bob Huggins on his stool. But eventually when he rips that thing off, you know what I mean? It's going to be like that guy. Remember that picture the guy sent with Kyle? Uh, of Not necessarily Kyle, but, you know, the guy saying, thanks, Kyle, with the shirt on, with his shirt off in the crowd. That's what Huggy Bear would look like. Oh, the, the Buffalo Bills. Yes, uh, the Buffalo the Bills guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that would be and Huggy And then he, uh, he tries to rip his jacket like Roy did. Uh, was that last year when, when he, Roy tried to rip his blazer? That's when he, yeah. Well, it was the it was the throw it and hit Seventh Woods in the Kentucky game when Monk had forty seven, and then it was the rip the jacket. Oh, it was two late. years ago. Yeah, two years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, pretty and good. He, he took the jacket off and tried to tried to rip a sports coat. And the sports coat was like, "What are you doing, bro?" Yeah, you Alexander Alexander Julian made this coat. You cannot rip it. It's too nice. Um, one one other comment because you, you brought this up. Uh, and we're we're talking about the tier talk. We're talking about the Big Twelve. You brought this up as soon as I said the tears. Your your gut reaction as soon as you saw that you heard the tears was that you believe Oklahoma should be on tier one. You believe that set that Coach Greenberg, that coach, uh, you believe that he got it wrong and that <laughs> Oklahoma should be on tier one with Kansas. I'm inclined to agree with you. Did you watch that game last night, the Kansas Oklahoma game? Yes, I did. Uh, he got did it you see wrong. A bit of that? Yeah, he got it wrong uh, on that day. So I don't know what he has now. So maybe we, he could be right on this day. On, oh yeah, on today. As he, of today, today he may be on our side. Um, so we should say that uh, before we get into it. But yeah, I like the Oklahoma, but I think that they still think that they're Christian James's team and they're Brady Mannix team. So I think that's the only thing that I need them to kind of mm-hmm. readjust a little bit. Uh, and, and just really lean into the fact that they do have Larry Bird 2.0. I mean, he's do, he's dressing the part. He's looking the part. He gets strong rebounds. Is he doing that on purpose? He's got to be, right? He is doing it on purpose, right? I think he already said that. I, I, I think they. I, I think he okay. purposefully was like, I want to look like Larry Bird to set the tone, you know? Because it does get in your head. I think he's like Larry Bird's oh, kid definitely. or something. Like, as I'm watching him, I just think everything he does is better just because he looks like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so, so, Why does he, he needs to change his number to 33, though. 
No, but he's two echelons above that, right? He's 35. Mm. That's what it is. It's like Kobe wearing 24. Yeah, yeah. It's like I'm I'm he's not just one above, he's two above. That's Brady. Um Yeah, I, I'm impressed with Oklahoma. They uh Same. I I I'll be honest, was not really gonna pay much attention to him this year. Was not that excited heading into the year. Uh those grad transfers they brought in, they impressed me last night. Um they they I don't know. Like I, I definitely have a better feeling about them as of right now than I did last year with Trey Young. Like I I love Trey Young. I'm not one of those guys that turned on Trey Young. Like a lot of America, shame on you. You build the guy up just to tear him down. Um, that's not me. I, I I loved watching Trey Young and I thought he was very good and and I thought he deserved to shoot a shit ton last year. But uh, I like this team more, Tate. I did. I don't like watching this team more. If that makes sense, Trey Young was more entertaining. But I believe in this team, this Oklahoma team more because they play defense. They're they're great defensive. They're playing great defense and and McNeese, Who's their like volleyball spiking guy that blocks shots with two hands? He's basically their Kanate. Yeah. You get you get him like him and Kanate. I want to watch them do a jump ball, and they just like both go up and try to grab it with two hands. And you just kind of have to keep trying to to redo the jump ball because that's how they block shots. Um. Anyway, Oklahoma plays great defense. Uh, I'm I, I I like their team a lot, and I was impressed with with how they played against Kansas. And uh, yeah. I think they should be on tier one as well. Yeah, they should be up anyway. there. And then Bill Self said after the game that OU's got to be one of the most experienced team uh, age-wise in the country, and their average age is 21. So uh, that checks out. So Bill Self saw it last as a, night. As an aside, yeah. As an aside, Kansas, um, uh, I, I'm still not feeling Kansas, even though they keep winning. I, I'm still not feeling it. Which is just something off. Which I want to bring up to you because I was watching the it's Carolina so Harvard game and they always do the thing in, in all these like Duke Carolina games, whoever it is. Like if you're, if you're one of these primetime games, they always ask, when you look around at the landscape, uh, who do you see as the top team? Is it Virginia? Is it Michigan? Is it someone else there? And every single person always does the, well, I really liked Michigan early in the year, and now I feel like, you know, they're kind of coming down to earth a little bit. And, you know, Virginia, I'm just still a little scarred. You know what I mean? Just a little scarred after the 16th mm. thing. I don't know. You know, I feel like they might play uh, Jairus Lyles again. I don't know how they feel that way, but they keep saying that. Uh, and then the then they always come back to, you know, I, I, I can't really buy into Duke just because the young guys. I'm excited for them. I don't know. But I just keep going back to Kansas. Like, Kansas is the safe pick. And and I don't mm-hmm. and I don't think Kansas is the safe pick if that makes any sense you know what I mean I feel Kansas like, is definitely not the safe pick <laughs> like every, every, <laughs> everyone thinks that like Kansas just by default is the team you have to pick because they have Doke and they have Legerald is shooting every time Legerald shoots I think it's going to go in I'm not going to lie but they keep going back to Kansas and I feel like Kansas is the team where I'm just waiting for the burble, bubble to burst and I think it was supposed to already burst but it hasn't yet and they've been kind of working it out I do think Grimes is playing better I think Dotson played better last night. Uh, so those are two good things to see from the young guys. But I don't know why everyone keeps pointing to Kansas because th- the person that I'm worried about in Kansas is Dedrick Lawson just becoming one of the Morris twins and just just deciding that he's the best player on the team and trying to— Because he t- is. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Who's the— I don't you, know about think, that. You think LeGerald Vick's better than him? No, I think, Azub- think for- Azubuke is the best player on the team by far. Oh, my God. By far, Craig, turn his microphone off. Let I do. Me, I do. I, I oh just. My God. I just think he's the best player. I think he's definitely no. hurt right now. But I think if he doesn't play, they have no shot. I think Azubuke. No, Azubuke is Nick Ward of this year. Oh, Azubuke no is way. the guy. Like no if, way. If you if you inject true serum into Bill Self and you're like what he's like, I should have left Legerald off the team. That's what he's thinking right now. <laughs> And you say, and you ask him, could you, if you could trade Udoko Azabuke to another team to, and get shooting in return, would you do it? He would say yes. He would say, I really, in a perfect world, I would love to bring Doke off the bench 
and run a four-guard lineup with Lawson and let Lawson have all the room in the world to be a beast. But I can't because Azubuke is really talented, but he fouls a lot, and he can't really guard ball screens. So I play him, and we just kind of hope it works out, and it does work out more often than not. I don't know, man. That's that's my assessment. If if which which yeah. which comes back to the whole thing where <laughs> how is Kansas the safe pick? You know what I mean? If you're if we're all having the, the different arguments on who we think is their best player, and we're all sure it's not LeGerald Vic, then it's then it's kind of I mean I don't know. It's it's just a, it, it's interesting because I mean maybe they have a lot of talent and uh, that's why the argument is there and that's why well, they're the think safe they they're the safe pick for this reason is that they have played a really tough schedule. They've lost one game, yeah, and it was at Arizona State. Um, they, they, they. That that's their one loss on the city. Like they've played a, one of the as they usually do. They played one of the best non-conference schedules. Uh, and now they're turning to conference season, and you know that they're going to win the Big Twelve, exactly. Uh, despite what the BPI tells us. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're just sitting there and you're thinking, like, I, I mean, Kansas is probably getting a one seed. It's it's it would be very unlikely that Kansas does not get a one seed at this point. Um, so just. Just starting right there, uh, that's pretty much it. Is like if you had to get if if you had to bet on like who's a definite one seed this year, I would say Kansas is probably the safest bet in that regard, right? Yeah, I guess. Like the ACC, you don't know what's going to happen with Duke. I mean, Duke's probably the best team, but you don't know what's going to happen when they start going on the road in the ACC, which is the best conference. Um, Michigan, Tennessee, we don't really, you know, like we'll see. But Kansas, yeah, Kansas is going to win 30 games heading into the tournament and win the Big 12, and yeah, they'll be a one seed. So, so. you just mapped anyway. out as a college basketball media person, you just you just showed me how to do that. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily that oh, they that think works, Kansas. Yeah. They don't think Kansas is going to win the title. They just know that Kansas is going to be a one seed. So it checks out. It checks all the and boxes. Then they'll have a yeah, and then they'll they'll like choke in the tournament, but they won't. It won't really be a choke. It'll just be like. This was the team we saw all along, and then it finally just caught up to. Yeah, him. they lost to Shamari Pons and Mustafa Heron, and uh, there it yeah. is. And it all and it all ends up working out in the end. I get you. I'm learning. I'm learning That's about this college happened. basketball yeah. media stuff. You just you say things you really don't believe, just so that you know you kind of check the box on credibility. You know what I mean? Just so everyone's like, uh, oh okay, yeah. oh okay, all right. Well, this guy knows what he's talking about. I, I wanted one more thing, and then we'll get to the dirty laundry. I had one more topic for us, um, and. Please, Tate, this is your podcast as well. If you have something else you want to talk about, feel free to chime in. Um, but I was watching the Maryland. I watched a good chunk of the uh, the Maryland-Nebraska game last night. Yeah, I saw and that as well. Mar- Maryland wins. Um, mm-hmm. Jalen Smith scores the team's final seven points. Uh, uh, Bruno Fernando goes for like 20 and 20, basically. I think I don't think it was actually 20, but it felt like that. Cowan was not going off, especially in the second half. I watched, He had a... He had a few threes in a row. Um, played pretty well. I was shocked, though, to learn that this is Maryland's first win over a ranked team, Tate, in almost three years. Yep. And as as the man who is is driving the the Turgeon, the Turd Bowl uh, uh, Express, shall we say, you are in the driver's seat of this. I ask you this, Tate, your thoughts on Maryland, your thoughts on Turgeon. Are you now a believer? Do you want to apologize to Mark Turgeon? Is he the man for the job after all? <laughs> for, be- for beating Nebraska at basketball. <laughs> In a word, no. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I it's, mean, uh, yeah, that's that's not... Uh, I mean, I thought it was good for Maryland. I was happy that they did win that game because I, I, I do want Maryland to come back. I do want a resurgence for the Terps. I think that they deserve that at the very least. 
especially after all the you know the money that Under Armour has put into that school. They deserve some sort of reward for that. I mean, I think the last time that they beat a ranked team was when they came into the season preseason number two, if I'm not if if I'm correct, right? When they had the whole group mm. of Rashid Suleiman and all those guys, right? Yeah, yeah. That was the last time. Mellow Trimble. Uh, that yeah. was the year, yeah, yeah. Diamond Stone, yeah. Um, so yeah. I mean, that is yeah. a long like Diamond Stone is already like come and gone with the Clippers. Jake you know? Layman, like, yeah. Like I mean, Jake Layman has been in Portland now for he's like been in the NBA for like four years. So we, uh, I you know, it's been it's been quite some time. So if that's something you're holding your hat on, then honestly, that stat should illuminate even more so that maybe there's a time for a change, right? I mean, because that feels like a whole lifetime ago, at least just in the world of college basketball news cycles. So. I don't know. I wouldn't. I, have, I wouldn't have let that stat get out if I was Mark Turgeon. If I right. if I was if the SID told me that stat, I'd be like, yeah, we're not putting that one out. I think uh, the tide has definitely turned on Turgeon. the The point of no return has happened, where Maryland fans are almost rooting against their own team at this point because every ranked win is just another, uh, you know, an, an, another. Um, it's a Steve another Alford, positive for it's Turgeon. A Steve Alford situation. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's the same thing. It's like the same thing as offered. It's the same thing like Tom Crean had at Indiana where he's like good enough to keep his job for a couple more years. And it's just like you're living in this purgatory of this coach and every you know he's getting fired. Like we, we're all sitting here today. We all know Mark Turgeon is going to get fired from Maryland. Is it going to happen at the end of this year? I don't know. Is it going to happen next year? I don't know. But like once the fan base turns on you, I mean, if you're watching that game last night, they cut to the crowd. There's like nobody at this game. Yeah. There is like no Maryland fans at this game at all. Um, once that kind of happens, it's it's really really hard to get that back. I mean, I can't even I can't even think of examples. I I, I guess I'll throw it to the friends of the program to chime in on examples of that you remember where it where like everyone is basically turned on their coach, and then the coach wins the wins all the fans back. Does it does that ever happen to you? like the the one example I guess that comes to mind immediately Bruce Weber last year? Yeah, but I don't think he's I, I don't know if he's fully won Kansas State back. I mean, can't like Dean Wade's got his his foot's all fucked up. Kansas State just got blown out by Texas. Like this is not gonna this does not feel like it's gonna be a great year for Kansas State, and we might be right back where we were a couple years ago with Bruce Weber. Um, so I don't know, man. Like I, I like I, I I'm sitting here today and I'm just thinking like just just fire Turgeon already because you're just prolonging the inevitable at this point. Like he's not the worst coach in the world. He, he's it's not an offered situation where the teams quit on him. Maryland could probably do some good things this year. They could make the tournament theoretically. They have a decent team, but you're just kind of like delaying the inevitable. And you know he's going to get fired at some point in the next three years. So just do it now. Just just start it now. <laughs> It'd be great if every, if every AD <laughs> just kind of lived in that bubble. It's like I know I'm going to fire this guy in a couple of years. So I might as well just get it over with. <laughs> <laughs> What's the point? Here, here, here you go, Tate. Here's, here's your eight million. Tate, Get out of here. <laughs> I know you couldn't really follow me as I was describing that situation. So let me try this analogy. It's like you're dating a girl, <laughs> and, <laughs> and you're just like, I'm not going to marry her. So why even keep? And doing I know this? I'm not going to marry her. <laughs> oh, okay. Now that makes yeah. total sense. You're like um, on a trip in Hawaii. You're like, I'm done. It's like <laughs> this, this isn't going anywhere. At best, we have two more years together. <laughs> Uh, the last the last thought on that game. Uh, by the way, uh, why is it? Why does Nebraska have the? I think Nebraska is the only Adidas school with good jerseys. That was my other takeaway from that game. I, I love those Nebraska jerseys, and Adidas fucks up every other school that they have a contract with. But didn't Adidas? That's, that's my. I mean, didn't stance. Nebraska? No, Adidas made those Nebraska jerseys as like a throwback something. I can't remember what year it was. Mm-hmm. And then I think Nebraska just was like, "Yeah, we really like these. Can we just keep this font?" 
because they did it for a bunch of schools with that same old school font. And then Nebraska was just like, yeah, we'll keep, we'll hold on to these. And I don't know if it's because Adidas it's did. Thr- I don't. Maybe Adidas couldn't get packages to Nebraska to to finish out like and suit them out for the rest of the time, so they just keep wearing the same ones. But I'm pretty sure that they were like, yeah, we'll just stick with these because I like those too, the ones that it's, they wore last night. It's a throwback to their uh, the team their last NCAA tournament win, which was uh, ooh Ty Lue. Oof. <laughs> That's all you have to say with no, Nebraska the, basketball. Just say Ty Lue, and people are like, oh, you know Nebraska no. basketball. Nebraska has no NCAA tournament win state. That was the joke. I know. But if you just say Ty Lue, then everyone's yeah, like, "That's then I'm in. Then I get it. Then I know. Um, you know? You got anything else before we get to Dirty Laundry? No, start reading your stories. I'm looking, right. I'm looking so, up Nebraska yeah, basketball go. jersey situations. Please do. Figure that out. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, why? why the, the, they get, I don't know. So it, Maybe that's something to do with the facilities as well. There, there's something cooking in Nebraska. Like, why is it that Nebraska is the one Adidas school that gets fire jerseys and everyone else gets garbage? I don't get it. Um, all right, let's get to dirty laundry. That's what the people are waiting on. That's why everyone, let's be honest, you all fast forwarded to this point. Craig, we should put a we should put a timestamp in sport of everybody. Like everyone's gonna read the podcast description and be like, I'm not really interested in that bullshit. I just want to listen to dirty laundry and just like tag it at like 37 minutes. Got it. Nice, nice little, nice little zinger we'll we'll pull on the people. Um, all right, here we go. Craig, your mic's on. You're you're a part of this, by the way. We want your reactions as well. Great, I'm here. Um I played at a D3 school. My sophomore year, we won five games and had four felonies. <laughs> These included our 6'10 star center drunkenly punching a 5'4 music student on the street for looking at him funny and our 6'3 230-pound wing getting a DWI because he drunkenly drove home after his girlfriend on the women's hockey team beat him up because she thought he was cheating on her. Jesus. <laughs> we also had a guard who was a starter and ended up buried on the bench come to a game high on mushrooms and another game where he had vodka in his Gatorade bottle. Our coach somehow kept his job. That's a good one. Who was the coach? Oh, that's right. That's the whole point of this. Well, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, wow. That's, uh, I will say being in North Carolina, the Gatorade, the vodka in the Gatorade bottle was a thing that happened quite a bit at uh, many, many sports, basketball, golf, I call, soccer, all of the above. It's usually ever. I call clear, bullshit though. on that. Yeah. I call bullshit on vodka in the Gatorade bottle, but I like the idea. I like the the creativity of like like I I don't doubt that the guy thinks that someone put vodka in the Gatorade bottle, but there's no way that could happen, right? Oh no, like, it, it that would, happens. That would, That's what I just said. It happens all the time. I I dealt with it in two the soccer players? games. Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, man. Welcome to the, welcome to the real time. This is what people people play inebriated back in the day, back in back in the south. How the fuck do the coaches not like smell alcohol in your breath and because they take don't because the, because if you're drunk also. Right, it's a one to one, and also, <laughs> and also, why would you want to? I don't understand the motivation. <laughs> They're behind both that. drinking the Gatorade, Mark Titus. Don't you see it? Don't you see the picture in your head? But that just <laughs> they're cheersing to the crowd. Just, <laughs> We're down seven. But what is like the we'll players? What, what is the players' motivation to drink during a game? I don't understand that part. That just like I, I think the like, motivation uh, is I don't care. That's it was usually the seniors that would know. do that on our teams. Uh, I'm getting. I, I. That's how I know I'm getting very old. Is like I. I can't. I, I'm sure when I was like 17, this would all make sense. I'd be like, "Fuck yeah, man! Vodka in a Gatorade bottle. That's that's tight, man." But well, it's not vodka. Me, it's like, Everclear. <laughs> 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 Moving on. <laughs> I went to a Big Ten university from 05 to 2010 and Ooh. worked in the parking booths on campus. I also, by the way, I also went to. Uh, just as an aside, I went to. Maybe, maybe this is maybe this is a story about me, and I don't know it. Let's see where this one goes. 
Uh, my coworker had our Big Ten Player of the Year. Okay, so it's not about me. Damn. Uh, pull up to her booth. She told him how much he owed, and he pulled the "Don't you know who I am?" treatment. My coworker, having no idea who he is, said, "No, I don't." And he threw a hissy fit and put his car in park and refused to pay. Refused to pay or move his car. She called the police and moved his car back into the lot. By the way, it was two dollars and forty cents, and he could have gotten a free parking pass if he just asked his coaching staff. <laughs> who is this? So. I don't. So it narrows it down. Big Ten Player of the Year from 05 to 2010. Um, this 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 has Evan Turner written all over it, Tate. I was thinking Robbie Hummel. I'm, I'm calling Evan Turner. That I'm saying it's Robbie. <laughs> I don't think Robbie was Big Ten Player of the Year. Was he really not? Sorry, Robbie. I don't think so. Oh wow. I, I think I think Jawan Johnson was. I think Draymond was. I think Kay, Draymond was like 2012 though. Um, Kalen Lucas was 09, I want to say. Yeah. DJ White. Um, DJ White. DJ White was one year. I think he was 08. Yeah. And then 07 was Alondo Tucker. Um, oh, so I'm going to go Alondo Tucker. Alondo Tucker. Yeah. 06 was Terrence Dials. Could have been Terrence Dials. Two Ohio State guys on there. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying Evan Turner. That just, that just, that has Evan Turner written all over it. Um, I went to a nationally prominent power conference school. I knew a few athletes from most of the teams on campus, women's basketball included. There were always rumors that our coach was cheating on her husband with someone from the team. One day, my friend and one of the women's players claimed that they did some sleuthing and somehow found that the equipment manager had been put in a room that didn't exist. They found this to be a pattern on basically every away game trip. Oh, so like, oh, I see what's happening here. Also, the coach and this manager would routinely send their families on long-distance vacations in order to conduct the affair in the offseason. Interesting. So, <laughs> sounds like some Whoa. sex is going on. Yeah, that is, that is some very dirty laundry, man. That, that's, this is, uh, people are opening up, man. This is, this is, uh, this that's is, what this segment's about, Tate. This is the power of anonymity, I can tell. This is this would be terrible That's to be a detective. You know what I mean? You just get bullshit like this all the time. You're just like, I have no idea. This is like Form Spring. Remember Form Spring on Facebook <laughs> where you just anonymously, anonymously <laughs> talk shit about people? Yeah, or like Yik Yak or one of those things. Yeah, you just like go in there and just say whatever the hell you want. This is awesome. Let's continue. Uh all right, moving on. Um, we, we got a few more. There, there, there are a lot of good stories. People killed it, knocked it out of the park. As it turns out, Tate, when you actually like go through the stories, they're actually good ones instead of uh, just clicking on it. When I say, hey, Kyle, you got any dirty laundry? And just clicks on it. And he's like, uh, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Uh, This one's really long, uh, yeah. et cetera. Okay, this one isn't good. Okay, let's move it. <laughs> um, all right, here we go. I played for a tiny-ass Christian school in high school. We actually had to wear sweatpants when we played because it was a church rule. Nice. And that really, really sucked. But anyways, our team was playing a game and we got smoked. I think we lost by like 30. We get back into the locker room and our coach was yelling at us for how bad we played and everything we did wrong. One of my teammates spoke up and was like, I thought we won, coach. <laughs> our coach said, why did you think that? My teammate said, I just thought we were on the left side of the scoreboard the whole time. <laughs> nice. Our coach, our coach yelled at him and then just stopped and shook his head and walked out of the locker room without saying anything else. <laughs> it's a leader of men. That's that's important. Important distinction. You got to know which side of the scoreboard you're on when you're playing basketball. Yeah. Very important. Along with making shots, I would say that's one of the more important things that you should focus on. Uh, during my first year working for a Power 5 program, my main job was to rebound for guys outside of practice. One day, I got a text from a player asking if I was busy after class. Thinking he wanted to get some shots up, I told him, I told him that I was free. Instead of wanting to get shots up, he tells me his out-of-town girlfriend is getting to campus and wants me 
to meet her by the bus stop and take her to a building close to the arena while he and the rest of the team is playing pickup. I already told him I was free, so I did not have an excuse to say no. Eventually, the player guilted me into helping. He never said thanks or anything. This player also made some of the bigger messes in the locker room, like leaving trash out, half-eating food and drinks around the team lounge, uh, which the managers had to clean up. Needless to say, he was not our favorite player. So for the rest of the year, before practices or games, when rebounding, every pass I would throw to this player would be low and towards his feet. Not one pass that I ever throw him was on target. The next year, the player decided to transfer. Before we had a team meeting the next day, I was asked to clean out his locker. It was one of the more satisfying experiences I ever had as a manager. That is nice. Li- that is literally so, passive aggressive. Quite yeah. literally. He he passively aggressively got a guy to transfer. That's awesome. Um, great, great story on that one. I like that one. Uh I was a manager for a women's pro- uh, prominent women's program. One time on a conference road trip, I was being used as an illegal practice player and had to use the bathroom before practice started. I had a practice jersey on while I was struggling to find the bathroom. The opposing head coach saw me and showed me where the bathroom was. He also thought I was a newly hired assistant coach and asked me a bunch of questions about my, quote, coaching past. After giving him a bunch of bullshit answers, he talked to our head coach and asked him, when did you hire the short guy referring to me? Our head coach looked at him confused and said, who the hell are you talking about? The other coach pointed to me and said, him, the short guy who played at insert NAI school. Um, yeah, this, apparently this guy played in NAI school. Uh, safe to say the head coach chewed uh, out for almost getting caught, but the real newly hired assistant looked at me and said, hey, at least it's a good backstory with a wink and a thumbs up. <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah, the story, basically the guy, uh, you're not allowed to to practice, right? You're not allowed to be a uh a practice a men's practice player is not supposed to practice with the team on road trips or something. Yeah. And he Yeah. So they, he, they basically got caught and he weasels his way out of it. Yeah. That was good. That was good work. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Smooth. All right. We're getting we're getting into range of the good ones. The really good ones. How many um, do we have left? How many do I have left? I have four left. All but right. they're all good. I can't cut any of them. We have to we have to get them all. After college I was living near school and still had friends on the team. When my adult men's league was team was short on guys, I'd ask them to come play. Technically an NCAA violation, but whatever. Who cares? One game in early October, which was only a few weeks before the the golden October 15th start date of practice, two current players came to play with me on the men's league team. Both were about to start their senior year. During the game, one of the players had a really nice dunk all over somebody. I was trailing the play and actually yelled when he dunked it. Then as he landed, he tore his ACL. I basically Mm. ended this guy's career. They never told the coach what happened, but I don't think he ever forgave me for that. Whoops. Jesus. That one's tough. Yeah. Um. That one. That one's really tough. All right. I'll skip. I'll skip this long one. I'll save the long one for next time. It is a good one, but uh, we have two more now. I lied. Um. I once bench warmed a nationally ranked basketball team with a group of players that are currently prominent NCAA men's Division One players. We had a terrible assistant coach who obnoxiously and constantly blasted his whistle in practice. At our end of the year closing ceremony, these guys decided to get this coach back and presented him with a whistle. Little did he know that for some reason these players had all rubbed their balls on the <laughs> had all rubbed their balls on the whistle. He picked up the whistle and blew it at the ceremony for fun. I found out three weeks later that he had mysteriously contracted herpes. He still uses that whistle to this day. Okay, so th- this is bullshit, but yeah. I like the creativity. <laughs> I like the creativity, Tate. Yeah, balls and whistles. We like the we like the uh, you know as as an aside if you're writing in these dirty laundry stories they don't have to be true make them just make them funny that's all we ask balls on whistle I, that, that's funny I like that um, all right final story 
I played Division II basketball for a Midwest program. A couple years ago, we were down on the road at halftime to a team that was much worse than we were. And the guy puts in parentheses, it was a bad matchup. Our coaches were pissed and threatening to pull scholarships during the halftime speech. We run out of the the locker room to go warm up for the second half, and the event staff locks the door behind us. The second half starts, and some of the bench guys notice that our seven-foot-tall European center was not on the bench. He had been locked in the locker room and wasn't let out until the first media timeout. I've never seen a more pissed-off human after they finally let him out. (laughs) That's awesome. Dolph Lundgren. There you have it. There That's you have it. it. That was a lot of that, those. Those were good, dirty laundries. I I probably believe one out of six of them. It doesn't matter, dude. Don't don't I, ruin the fantasy. I gotta people, start. You know? I gotta start uh, reading and sifting through these myself. I'm also like, well, you I, don't like them? No, I kind of like like no. I actually dislike the people that are submitting them. You know, so I kind of want to respond back. Like, man, that's messed up. Or like. <laughs> Yeah, dude, that's not cool. Oh, you're saying? Yeah, like I don't like the people the, that are submitting them. I'm on the side of the actual characters in the story. The protagonist. Yeah, and it's all like these it's like I don't I don't assholes. like the writers. I like the characters. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I hear you. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. It's like if someone's um, like I, all right, I, I and, like Harry Potter. I don't like J.K. Rowling. You know what I mean? Mm, I hear you. Mm. I got you. Um, anything else before we go? Uh, I do want to point out Villanova race 69. That one worked. Carolina race 69. That one worked. So I saw both those play out and that was pretty exciting uh, to see the rule continue to work. Both those teams have no idea what they're going to do with rotations as it comes into the full year. So that's something to keep an eye on. Two of the teams that have won titles in the past few years or three or I guess four years. They're sort of like the Alabama and Clemson of college football at this point. Uh, they both have not figured out their rotations. They don't know what they're going to do. Uh, and we're already at conference play. So that's something to keep an eye on. But that's all I got. Mm-hmm. We're getting a new national champion. It's happening. Yeah, that's what uh, it feels like. Tennessee. I I feel I'm off of Team Blue Blood. I'm on to Team New Champion. I think I'm I'm ready to do that. Uh, I wanted to shout out Valparaiso down ten minutes down ten with like two minutes left. Hits a half court shot to beat Illinois State at home. That was awesome. Uh, Fun times. Love when you do that. Uh, Also want to shout out Juan Dixon, who is the head basketball coach at the only winless team in this great country. Coppin. Coppin State. Yeah. Yeah. Zero wins on the year. Good job, Juan. Keep it up. Uh, also, uh, Anthony Billis. Did you see this? You hear about this, folks? First uh, basket. Jay Billis is on a Wake Forest. Yeah. First basket, and it was a doozy. A reverse layup that uh, I don't think he meant to do it, but uh, it was awesome nonetheless. <laughs> did you see the actual clip? I did see the clip. I mean, it looked like he. It looked yeah. like a very athletic play, which uh, kind of. Yeah, it was. Yeah, which was kind of wild to me. That that was his first buck. Yeah, we, but but I think you're right. It, pro- it kind of seemed like it it all kind of worked out. You know, the, the, that's why highlights and clips on the internet don't always uh, tell the full story. It was so athletic. I think we need a paternity test. I don't believe that that's <laughs> Jay Billis' son. There's no way. Yeah, um, Coach K. And then I Coach have, I have <laughs> <laughs> It's pure athleticism. I have one more. Sh- I have one more shout out. Uh, Middle Tennessee's Chase Miller is running away with my my trillion belt. That I'm giving out this year to the uh, the guy, the player who gets the most trillions. Um, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, I'm having my my friends at Homage are are doing the leaderboard for me. Go to Homage. I think it's Homage.com/slash Club Trill is the website. If you just go there, we have the whole list of the rundown. This kid on Middle Tennessee State Tate already has six trillions on the year. Uh. Second place has three. Oh, he's already doubling up the rest of the the field. So, um, shout out to him, Chase Miller, uh, running away with this thing. Uh, also, uh, speaking of speaking of homage, I have I have a very I'm going to do some self promotion Tate on Monday. If you live in Columbus, Ohio, or you plan to go to the Final Four, I have very very exciting announcement to make on Monday. So stay tuned for that. Mm. Um, I will probably tweet it out because that's pretty much all 
I know how to do with these announcements. <laughs> um, but I have something in the works. I'm going to un- unveil it on Monday. So yeah, get get nice and titillated if you are a Columbus, Ohio resident or you plan on going to the Final Four this year because it's going to be awesome. So boom, that's that. Um, thank you guys for listening. Check out the... We got some good games this weekend. Uh, Michigan State plays at Ohio State Saturday. Florida State, Virginia Saturday. Kansas, Iowa State Saturday. Indiana, Michigan on Sunday. We'll probably be talking about those games. Probably talk about some other stuff. Pac-12 is probably going to do some shit that's going to make us talk about them as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, We will be back next week. Peace.